irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. All right. Welcome to the show, Razor Riffs. This is going to be the season finale uh, before the holidays. Keith Razor with my trusty sidekick friend, Alan Lee. How are you? Here I am. Yeah? Everything's going well? God, I look really good. I wish this was on video. Yeah, yeah. So the folks can see you, how you're looking, right? Fuck. Yeah. You look good. Uh, thank you. You look good, too. We look. We both look good. Listen, yeah. um, they just found, like, about a ton of cocaine. They just they just had a raid, uh, I think, in Miami. You, are, you remember Miami Vice, the show? Yeah. Yeah, well, today... Today it's really weird. Like they, the, the, the DEA, they they picked up like a ton of my, of um, cocaine and marijuana in Florida, just like the old days in you know Miami Vice. Yeah. And so I'm thinking now because I'm a big fan of Netflix. And I know you're kind of not, but it doesn't really matter. You're going to do some catch up sooner. Well, you still well, you did finish Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, and I did Daredevil. What do you mean? You did. Not, you did. You know I'm not a fan of Netflix. Come on. I have a block in my head about that. Um, Dude, but oh. not not to change the subject. But Daredevil was so. Uh, it's the same subject for the folks at home. You got to watch that show. Oh, it's fantastic! It's classic. Oh. So well written. I'm a huge fan of the Daredevil comics. In fact, I know that the entire segment what where it came from, and I'm going to tell you, it was perfectly done. Yeah. Just, I couldn't find a problem. I, I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I tried. I couldn't. Do, do you try when you watch stuff that you're fans of? Do you try to find problems? Yeah. Well, why sure. is that? Well, I, I'm going to tell you something. It's like, well, let's take it with women, okay? Which you know, you kind of <laughs> Let's take it with women. When you're dating someone or you're going out with someone, you want to know the problems, right? Or do you just, do you want to? Not on the first two dates. No, you got to start early. That's a problem right there. <laughs> you right there. See, you're fucking waiting, waiting too fucking long, bro. <laughs> wow. Is that why none of my relationships work? Because I wait too long? No, no, I'm not saying what happened. Listen, uh. listen, listen, we don't want to, we don't want to have this uh, podcast become some kind of fucking dating game. <laughs> I don't like it. Example. <laughs> Fuck. I think this is the most you've ever cursed on Razor Riffs. Don't bring up, you know, don't bring up any of these women. Uh, I don't want to say anything, but, you know, yeah. we had other guests that, you know, we're not going to get into it because this could get in the Inquirer. And, uh, of course, you you would like to be brought <laughs> Into the Inquirer? My career is so in the shitter with COVID. No, don't, don't say that's being very negative. I don't know. Like but, like, it, it's just being honest. I think everyone's career is in the shitter with COVID. Mm. Mine's way in the toilet. Yeah. So, I mean, we're still but zooming. You should know your friend Jay Moore. You sent me those clips. Doesn't look like he's in the toilet at all. Well, I did that on an app. I, mean, I didn't mean to say that. I'm not talking about his back. I'm so, I, I really like Jay and I admire him. I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> I don't like it when you're like this. No, Jay knows you're kidding. 
Uh, no, I did that on an app. It, like, it's called a reface. And what it said, it, like, those, the one that I sent you was a Woody Har was all Woody Harrelson's movies combined. And for some reason, the internet, like, if you put a celebrity in, it'll match it up with celebrities they look like. And I guess Jay looked uh, like. Yeah, so I guess Jay in some way looked like Woody Harrelson. So oh I changed I changed Woody Harrelson's uh, face to Jay's. Oh my god. Yeah, and I also did John Cusack. John Cusack, believe this or not, John Cusack matched with Chris Evans who plays Captain America in that's Avengers. That's fucked up. You think, I'm telling you that's why I I think I sent it to you. No, I didn't get all through them, and I'm saying that looks like Jay. Now you're telling me it wasn't Jay. That freaks me out. Yeah, it wasn't Jay. No, it was, no, it was, it was a joke. I was playing with you. My God, when I said that's that, I said, how did James change like that? He's such a great actor. <laughs> well, people can change their look, you know. Yeah, he is a great actor, but yeah. holy. Change, you know, it's the people they change on screen. Oh my God, talk about change. Since you did uh, enjoy Breaking Bad, uh, you know that Bob Odenkirk uh, played uh, Saul. We got to get him. What? We got to get him. I would, I would work so hard to get him. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you, I think there's a chance. But have you seen? <laughs> there's a chance. I got David Cross, who's Bob's sidekick. And you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I can't make it. Oh, no, that's not. Oh, come on. I don't even I don't remember saying something like that. That's fine. You, you weren't there for Cross, and that was a hard one. Well, how are you comparing Cross with Odenkirk, Bob? I don't understand. Are they similar? No, because they did that show, Bob and Dave, or whatever. Oh, holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my was, God. Talking it, about. And if David, David, if oh. you're listening to this, I'm, I still love you, and we're still friends. I'm just saying. Love everyone. Uh, you were tough to interview over the phone. I'm sure it would have been different over Zoom. Zoom wasn't around back then. Well, Dude, isn't that crazy how Zoom... I love Zoom. Yeah, but isn't that crazy how like three years ago, two years ago, one even one year ago, we would have to do phone interviews. Yeah. But Zoom is like better because we could see yeah. their face. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something really funny. I grew up, and maybe you don't know this character, Dick Tracy... Yeah. Oh my God. I love Dick Tracy. Yellow hat guy. Oh, yes. Warren. Warren. Yeah. What's his name? Fuck. He has the buffet salad. Yeah, that's right. My God, you do know. Holy shit. What's his last name? God damn it. He, they have fuck. funny. They have funny last names. Oh fuck. I'm gonna fucking Google this because I feel like an idiot for not knowing his last name. Well, you know why I brought up Dick Warren Tracy? Warren Betty, right? Yeah, he played him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was that good of a film. Oh, dude, I I thought that was a great film. Well, growing up with the comic book, it, Al Pacino you know, was in it. Madonna. I didn't have to watch. Dustin Hoffman was in it. I forgot. I to be honest, I haven't seen it in a long time. But I remember when I did watch it as a kid, I liked it. But you you don't remember the comic strip? No, I don't remember the comic. Strip. Oh my god. The villains in Dick Tracy are so frightening and so gross. But the reason why I brought that up about uh, – what are you doing over there? I'm getting my magic trick so I could show Brad. Leave me alone. Ah, yeah. ah, ah, ah. 
let me finish my thought. Why, okay. why this even came up? Otherwise, people wouldn't understand why it was mentioned. People who know Dick Tracy when we were kids, right? Big fucking deal. Nobody could believe this in the in the strip. Dick Tracy had like a TV watch, like a Zoom watch, where he could talk to his friends and the cops on his on his watch. And now today you're saying, you know, look at look at Apple watches and shit. Yeah. So at the time we couldn't believe it, and they would have like toys fake toy watches with a little TV screen on it. And we would freak out, making them believe we could see each other. And now, can you believe it? This has fucking happened. Yeah. I'm going to have... I still like in-person better, though. I think I think in-person is a better vibe. But I think, like, the computer uh, or something... Because uh, with Wi-Fi, it kind of no, screws no, it up sometimes. No, 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 no. You, you, I tell you this over and over again. I attended a, uh, a comedy show on Zoom... Uh-huh. And she, you know, you kind of know who she is. I don't know if I should mention it. Because, uh, you know, she's she's a, she's cool. Uh, it was uh, uh, Sonia. You know, she asked you to be on. Sonia Alexander, yeah. yeah she did Sonia, the show. So Another Sonia, one you, you bailed she's on. Great, great, yeah. she's great, great. Sonia Alexander had a show on Saturday, like about six weeks ago, you know. And she had Patreon and all this, you know. And I saw her because when I was in, she's kind of like, who is that? Who is that? And she, she could see Alan Lee, you know? Right. So she six comics, including a comic we, we should uh, have on a show. And they did it. They did it in an, they did an hour show on Zoom. Right. You never heard I, of that? No, I did hear of it. Hey, we should introduce our guest, though, in case he comes in. Um, in he's actually in the waiting room. Oh, the no. This is, oh, you just want to chit chat. No, no. Uh, we got to introduce him from uh, Parks and Recreation. No, Recreation. Recreation, right. Yeah, recreation, that's in the fucking Bible. <laughs> uh, the Young and the Restless, right? Restless. And restless. Restless, Restless. You know that, that Young that and the Restless opera. opera. Yeah. But I was talking about an older version. And then he's also been on uh, on Unsolved Mystery, and he has a new short film called Admission, which is out. So we're going to welcome the great Brad Slate. Are you ready? I am. Of course I'm All ready. All right. I'm, I'm letting him in. I hope you got those questions ready. I don't have any questions. You suck. <laughs> oh. oh, hey, Brad. How are you, buddy? Hi, Brad. I hope Turn you're not uh, audio on. to this crap. Oh, hey, Brad. How are you, can buddy? You, How are you? Can Glad you hear to me you. okay? I Glad can. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Oh. It's modern. This technology is incredible. Isn't it? We yeah. were talking about that, Brad, if you were listening to this, whatever the fuck we were saying. I just got here. <laughs> oh, thank God. We're, we were basically talking how Zoom has replaced uh, phone interviews. <laughs> it has. Oh, it, yeah, and, and it's unfortunate, especially when they want to see you and you go, what's yeah. in the background? If you have something bad in the background, you ever notice yeah. that people all of a sudden you got like a oh, porno picture up on the wall? Yeah, yeah you got to be aware of your surroundings. Like one time I did a Zoom interview and I didn't realize there's people hanging behind me. <laughs> oh, Doing what? <laughs> That's a joke, Alan. God. I'm sorry. Oh, it worked out at Halloween, didn't it? Because then you just don't have to wear a mask. You'd have to buy a whole freaking costume to go to work with. Exactly. 
<laughs> there's, there's some positive things in all of this. Yeah. So, but like what I was saying was I feel like, I feel like, cause like usually I like going into a studio face to face meeting and stuff. No one likes to do that right now because of COVID-19. Yeah. It's, well, and when you wear a mask, it kind of muffles the, you oh, know. Oh, that's no help. Yeah. Now, Brad, I wanted to ask you, uh, was COVID-18 just as bad? Because I think I was too young. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. We, um, it, you didn't wear a mask. You wore like a whole body condom. It was, uh, you just, you didn't even want any exposure to anything. Uh, that, that was the only time I ever bought a Magnum, by the way. <laughs> a sheep. Uh. So, Brad, uh, how, how are things like going for you? I mean, I don't know about you, but like I've lost all my gigs and I've probably lost half of them for 2021. How's that dealing with you? Well, yeah, I mean, I had some stand-up gigs. Over the years, I've kind of migrated. You know, I believe in show business, you got to be like a Hoover vacuum. You have to have a lot of attachments, yeah. but you can't suck like a Hoover. But so I'm spread out between writing and acting, stand-up. Yep. Um, and, you know, between those three, yeah, I've lost a lot of work. The stage plays I've written are, you know, usually I get a lot of royalties, but most of them are done at, at schools and colleges. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. Um, I'm doing some writing work for different, you know, freelance work and acting wise, that's kind of uh, starting to pick up again. But um, I perform a lot in my living room. I just yeah. got uh, the reviews are in, and the couch gave me two cushions up, so I'm still working. You're in the living room now, but but yeah. your couch has three cushions. Oh, that hey, you can see that. <laughs> well, one of them one of them walked out. You're always going to lose somebody in the audience that gets offended easily. It must be all that clean humor. I don't know, man. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about that. Not in here. I don't do the clean humor. Sure. <laughs> Don't feel you need to be clean on this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that was, I was going to ask you, what is the F-bomb rule? Oh, well, <laughs> right now we're doing Zoom, so the, the studio can't really find us on, on cursing. Oh, do they do that at your studio? Yeah, yeah, but I always make uh, Alan Lee pay for it, so feel free to curse away. I'm trying to be cute again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, you must be the guy with the money behind this operation. Oh, right? oh my God, I wish. That's a very nice compliment. Thank you. <laughs> well, well you, have that, you have that appearance of somebody that really has a lot of money. I don't know. It's your glasses. Oh, it's the mustache. I, I, I was going to uh, ask you for a discount if you teach acting. That's <laughs> yeah. You know what about acting? You know, remember uh, Spencer Tracy, oh, great actor from last yeah. year. He just they asked him once about acting, and he said, "Well, you hit your marks, you say your lines." Yeah. Um, and I know Brian Cranston, who I've met a number of times. Oh, really nice I guy. love Brian Cranston. He has a he has oh, like this one on. minute one minute video of where advice to actors. I put it on um, my Facebook page, but you can Google it. Brian Cranston, advice to actors, and he really locked it in. He said it, it took him a while, but when he finally realized, when you go into an audition, it isn't about. Uh, getting the job it's about doing your work all the other stuff you have no control you push that aside you go in and do your craft 
what what happens is going to happen. You know, you have no control. You yeah. could be, you could give yeah. the greatest audition in the world, but you're too short, or you're, you know, they want somebody an eth ethnic person, or sure. you know, you just you just isn't what they were looking for. So knowing that, and I've had a lot of auditions where I walk out thinking I nailed it, I got it, sure, and then you don't. You just have to really. Uh, concentrate on not setting yourself up for a disappointment. Sure. And and it's the same with comedy. Go out there and do. Oh. Don't always play to the audience. Bring them up to what you think is funny Thank because you. you're funny. And so. they're not there. They they need new experiences. I tell people that with stage plays, it's uh, uh, bring a, a school down in Florida. I wrote a play, and it took place on the California beach. And the teacher wrote me a letter and he said, hey, can I change that to a Florida beach? Because my students might find it kind of exotic. You know, they don't know California. And I said, no. Yeah. It, it, the, the purpose of theater or comedy or anything is to bring people to the work, expose them to ideas maybe they're not aware of. Thank and you. I said, and you start changing literature, you start changing who you are or what you're presenting. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to do the uh, stage play Oklahoma and change it to Sarasota? Is that right. what you're going for with your narrow world? So, I, I mean, I, I wasn't quite that harsh, but um, well, I see, that, that with stand-up comedy, too. You've got to be who you are yes. and, you know, not what you think they want you to be. Thank you. And see, that was another question I had, because you also write plays and you write stuff. What's it like? where you're in an actor mode where like thinking, oh, maybe this line's not working. If I improv, I could change it. But as a writer, do you hate it when actors do that? Like it's kind of hypocritical catch 22. Good exactly, yeah. good question. Yeah, I, um, as a writer, as a performer, cause somebody once asked me, so, uh, do you like, I said, I think most writers are nerds and I'm a performer. I've got to, I've got to present this literature. So I think it helps my writing because I know somebody's got to say that, right. um, and or I know how I would play that. Uh, but that's a good point. When I get in an audition, I always have the urge to, and sometimes they don't mind if you put a little button in there because they've heard the same lines every day. Yeah, yeah. But it's dangerous because if the writer's in the room, it's a final callback, and that's he right. goes, "Man, that's not my line." Um, and sometimes in an audition, you in commercials especially, you'll ad lib a line, sure. and you won't get the job, but you kind of hear something similar in the finished commercial. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like sure. you run the risk. Yeah. So, so like, does that? How do you like? How does that make you feel when someone does that to you compared to you doing it to them? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I went to a couple, I've seen some of my stage plays, if they're in the area, I'll go, you know, a lot of schools do them. I mean, they're, I've been very fortunate. I taught high school for two years and I realized when I taught, there's not many stage plays available. My brother had a program at ACT in San Francisco and he would commission these Pulitzer Prize winning writers to write stage plays just for the young. So I said, oh, let me try that. So I did, and I sent it to Samuel French, and they published it, and then they said, you got more. Um, but I've been to the theater, and I see when they change a line, or they'll do things. I remember a school sent me a thing saying, yeah, we did your play. You, uh, you, I think you'd really like it, because we put dance pieces in the middle of each scene. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to do the play the way it's presented. But, yeah. 
So what was it like getting your plays uh, by Samuel French? That's a big deal. There used to be a bookstore in Los Angeles, but then they closed it down. Yeah, Samuel French was just bought out by Concord Theatricals. They bought out Samuel French and Dramatist Play Service, I think, the two big publishers. Samuel French was the biggest. Yeah. And I have 13 plays with them. So wow. that's under the Concord Theatrical umbrella now. And it's great because once I've written a play and they've published it, I'm done. Yet I get money. You know, it's it's residual. It's royalties as opposed to residuals. But they do all of the printing. They do all of the contracts, all of the legal stuff. Um, so that's that's good. But yeah, um, 13 is about enough. I think that's my lucky number. I'm on the stage place for a while. So you're not going to write any more plays? I might, but I'll write them for myself. I've written stuff just for me. Uh, to showcase, you know, or an idea that I have to put my friends in, mm -hmm. TV in the background. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I I did a couple one-acts that I wrote for uh, myself and a Swedish girl called How Sweet It Is. And um, they were, it was a showcase piece because she said, well, let's find a play to do. I said, I'm going to find a play. I'll write one that fits you and fits me and gives us, you know, the best shot at uh at showcasing ourselves. So that's the other benefit of being a writer. And you know, a stand up, see, that stand ups are writers. Yeah. And it always irritates me when they go on the Tonight Show or any of these shows, they don't get paid WGA scale. No. They should get WGA and AFTRA. That's yeah. my opinion. Because yes. they're bringing, they're writing their act. They wrote yes. their act. Yeah. Uh, well, what's your opinion about them doing podcasting? Because I, I love you, but I don't have any money to pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know, a podcast is a whole different thing. I mean, you guys could, you, you could go from here. You've interviewed a lot of really good people. I looked at your list. Um, you could be the next Joe Rogan. You just got, what, $50 million. Yeah. Podcasts are making a big move. And you guys have a good system set up. You've had great people on there. People are going to want to listen to that and the people that you've had. So... Yeah, I don't have any problem doing podcasts like this because for me, maybe somebody listens to it and goes, oh, I'll go check out his plays or I'll check out the video. I make a lot of videos, the one minute news hour and just uh, I years ago said, you know, I'm tired of always waiting for other people to do projects. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I bought all the equipment, the cameras, the editing, the everything, the lights microphones and experimented now all the ideas i have i can actually play out now you're mostly doing uh you're mostly doing short films with this mm -hmm. equipment like and i know a lot of them have won awards and stuff like what's that process like for because i know there's uh people who like doing short films and like what are what's the advice on that yeah i mean i've yet to i've had a couple ideas for longer films but I used to work with a couple of comedy groups. Um, and so once a year, this one moving violations, we used to work at the comedy store all the time. Uh, we, we get together and make like a serious film, but they're short. Long form is tough because you got, you know, 90 minutes. I've written some long films, but I, as far as me producing it myself, you've got to have a budget. 
because I, sure. I won't do it. I won't do it non-union and bring my friends in and say, OK, come do this non-union film and it may screw up your uh, pension later. But come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the stuff I do now, the only films I do now, it's either just me or with these other guys. And it's a showcase for our comedy team. Um, for 12 years, I worked with a comedian. Maybe, you know, him, Buzz Belmondo. He was on uh, Out of This World. Um, that TV show out of this world about with Donna Pescow that the, had married a, or had yeah. sex with somebody yeah. from outer space. Anyway, and Baywatch, he was on Baywatch. And he was the house MC at Igby. So I don't know if you remember that club at all. No, I don't. I, I yeah, it was a little. Anyway, the might point be Alan's is, time. Huh? It might uh, be Alan's time. Alan's been doing comedy for like 30 years. No, let's not get crazy. Most of my friends have been doing comedy for 30 years, so <laughs> Alan's in good company. He, he has a lot of experience. But, yeah. Uh, but, no, like, uh, what about, like, producing? Like, what's that? Because you, you don't do it with, like, a budget, but, like, how does that, like, how do you bring your projects into a final thing knowing that you do it with a very little pro uh, budget to make it, noticeable well you have to you have to do the less money you have the more you have to do yeah so i actually am very comfortable now it's like i find it i find it hard sometimes to just go and act in somebody else's stuff because i always want to you know like maybe you should shoot to get a shot of this and you know i always since now i i write i i shoot i edit and you know and act in my own stuff um, it's hard to, and, and so I, yeah, I'm the ultimate producer because you, I wear many hats when I do that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> More control. I like to have a lot of control. Oh yeah. You know, it's like my, you guys are stand-ups, you know, you're, you're the whole show. Yeah. You have to write your stuff. You have to get the gigs. You have to go on stage. You have to evaluate what you did. Visual you have to put your set list together. So the more control you have, the more control you get. I, I should be clear. I'm only a feature right now. So my job as a stand-up is to get everyone to stop talking. And then I, I take Norm McDonald's uh, bags or Jay Moore's bags and I put them in a hotel. <laughs> hey, I say, buy their stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Keith, could you get, you get those bags over there? Sometimes um, the bags are lost. The what? The bags are lost. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I I prefer to feature, to tell you the truth, because the opening act is a sacrificial lamb. You got to get people quieted down and get them, you know, yeah. set up the rules. That's you got to be the nice guy. You're the host. You're welcoming them into your home. Yeah. Uh, the feature act, you know, you don't Weed have spot. to kill. You don't have to. The, the headliner always has to bring the show home. They That's have right. to take it to a level where the crowd, you know, really... So stay a feature as long as you can, unless the money, you know, and money nowadays. It used to be you could go to just about any city that had a comedy club, and even as a feature, you could make a decent living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was making a decent living, and then 2020 happened. No. So, yeah. you know, but uh, I'm trying to – I should have been smart. I should have saved my money, but I didn't because I thought this was never going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends like that. They got on a sitcom or something, all of a sudden they made, you know, uh, big bucks and they thought they were going to make that forever. Yeah. And this business can be cruel. It can, it can be exciting overnight. You can become rich and famous, 
but you know, not overnight, but in a period of time, you can lose all that. So you have to be smart. I've always, you know, no matter how much money I made, and some years I made a lot of money, other years not much, yeah. is to just live, you know, get the stuff you want, you know, but don't don't go overboard. Now, <laughs> don't buy the house in Malibu. Now you strike me as a person, and I, I can just like feel this energy over Zoom. So I could be totally wrong, but. You strike me as a person where you could tell just by like you could see if they're talented or not. You know what I mean? Like other artists. Uh, that's nice. You know, it's it's uh, it's I don't know. You know, and the same with you guys. You seem friendly, and you know, sometimes you get I do these sorts of things, and they're very you know just the facts, ma'am. Very. There's no. I think the hardest thing I ever learned about acting or performing when I was in college, and I went to college with you know some really good people. It was all they, the the theater department was separate from the broadcast and film TV department, which I thought was a huge mistake. So when I came out here, I'd go to an audition, and if the line is, uh, I, "I'd like a glass of water," I'd say, "I'd like a glass of water." <laughs> I sound like I was from England. So the hardest thing is to be yourself, and I did a lot of improv, and that helped. And I tell people when I used to teach improv, I used to say, "Every time you pick up the phone." whether you're calling somebody or being called, you are improvising. You don't know what you're going to say. You know the person. You kind of know what you might talk about. That's what acting should be. You should always be in that kind of moment where it seems natural. Uh, your hands, you know, if you're worried about what your arms are looking like, you know, where they are, you have notice people that are nervous. You have to commit to it so you feel comfortable. So if I'm talking to you and Alan, I'm talking to you the same way I would if this was dialogue. Right. Oh. oh, that's pretty cool. I heard that because, like, I write scripts, too. I haven't had anything published or anything. But my my screenwriting teacher told me when you write something, you should write something with the actors you envision to do it. Is that, like, how you write? Um, yeah, sometimes. I mean, I don't uh, – I, I, I think – as comedians, as actors, we pick up bits and pieces from everybody we've ever met. Right. There are some people that have such a strong personality or a strange personality that you use pieces of that. If they're a whiner, maybe one of the characters yeah. you think of them when you're, you know, like, yeah, anyway. um, so the <laughs> character, I did a, a sketch called The Samantha Show. Yeah. one of my videos and I play Samantha and it's this host that I based on a couple of people I used to know who no matter what you would say to them like oh man I you know I got the worst uh, I hurt my hand they would say you me I had a headache last and then it all became about them so her <laughs> show Samantha interviews like Abe Lincoln and Noah <laughs> and it's like, uh, uh, what happened to you? Well, I was shot in Ford Theater. You, me, I had a Ford that ran terrible. You know, they wanted the pistons. <laughs> you know, it's like, so uh, the people you meet in life, whether they're, in, I mean, the more interesting, yeah. the better. And yeah. you can use them in your stand-up act. I know you probably oh, do with, uh, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, Every stand-up does a character. It's like, yeah, I was talking to Bob, and he said, hey, but, you know, so yeah. interesting people make interesting acts. Now you were discussing a character that I came up with, Phil Penn. He's new to porn, but he's really trying. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> what does he sound like? <laughs> 
What's his voice? I'm Phil Penny. I'm here. I'm here to do the job like any performer does, and I'm committed. Now, when do we start this? Oh, my God, they have nothing on. <laughs> See, if I were to do that, it would have been more filthy. <laughs> no, you'd be too filthy. I, I try to say, listen, I think of it, Netflix. I have, I have editing going on. I, I don't. Please, please, you can't be filthy all the time. And where did you get the name Phil Penn for? Is there a, a meaning behind that? You know what? I made a mistake. It's Phil Penny. Oh, Penny? Phil Penny. Like, like the coin. Yeah, like the coin. And I felt, you know, it's, it's about the money. And I said, well, do they really make that much in that world? <laughs> so I said, fuck, they probably he do. Say, he could say, it's my name and also the activity when I'm with my inflatable doll. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I feel penny. All right. Now I'm gonna use my my uh, my crazy uh, superpower Aspergers to the test oh, because God. this is this is weird and this might shock you, Brad. But a penny has Abraham Lincoln on it, and you are the Abraham Lincoln's ghost. That's right. I was the ghost of he did the first Netflix special. Yeah, <laughs> you saw that. Yeah, I also played him in a couple of other things too, which I look nothing like. I mean, maybe the fact I'm five foot seven, so right. you know. But that's the power of video. You know, you get to um, that's great. You get to play other things, and they I played elves, and I'm five seven, but I'm not two seven. Sure. So you know, the power of uh, uh, editing and green screen and yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask is you that, something. Is that your phone, Brad? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, it's probably William Morris calling. Or oh, yeah, Spielberg pick, pick it up. Or, we could wait. We could wait. It could be a call. big, 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 big thing. No, let me ask Brad something about. Uh, let me ask you something, Brad. This yeah. is a, a, I always I always like to get answers on this. You mentioned the green screen yeah. and uh, the amazing use of CGI, where they can put you in a desert or on the top of a mountain, and you're in a room with just a chair. And you're, you're on the chair and, you know, you have to visualize that you're climbing, you know, these exercises they have that people say they don't won't use because, you know, you've got the sets and all that. Now you have to use all those those exercises literally because there's nothing in the room but you in a chair. I think that's the most amazing thing. It is. And, you know, I've done a couple of bigger things, but even the stuff I shoot, I you know, you can turn your apartment into a studio. Yeah. No, yes. Uh, exactly. That... Uh, there are certain limitations, but yeah. now I heard there's a new kind of, I don't know if it's a camera or, or a device. I was reading about it about a month ago and I'm waiting for it where you don't even need a green screen anymore. That oh it, breaks my God. Down, it breaks down the element. So, you know, you're sitting there in your room. It can like with Photoshop, just take your image, put you into and combine other uh, uh, images from other sets all into one thing without even a, the green screen, which, you know, is, is uh, what they, the technology now. So we're about to move into, a, you know, it's almost like taking molecules and yeah. reassembling. Oh, I, it's such an exciting time. But do you remember the Woody Allen film back in the day, Zelig? Yes. Yeah. Remember how he, yeah, he became, he, be, he turned into all those people. <laughs> yeah, that, imagine they were sort of, you know, predicting this. And that was, I guess, a set. Uh, yeah, I, I like that whole concept. A friend of mine that I years ago worked with, Jeff Daniels, 
uh, when he was. Oh, in, I love uh, Jeff Daniels. For, for, yeah, I went to college with. We were in a comedy group together. Uh, wow. <laughs> he, he used to play all the big moose tough guys, but real nice guy. Yeah. And, and he was in the Purple Rose of Cairo, where you know they came in and out of the, the movie. Um, so I, I like doing stuff like that as many times as I can do special effects. And now you can do them on your computer. I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff that, uh, and so I experiment from time to time where I do, I do a sketch called just the two of us and it's me and my alter ego who's come out of my body and wanted to live with, didn't want to go back in. So we're roommates, uh, it's and funny. and I, I was playing around with that. And I said, why don't you turn this? So I've done a couple of those sketches where it's me talking to myself, oh. but I'm a little faded out that my alter image, you can see through him, which it, is a, a play on words too, I guess. It's funny that you, it's funny that you mentioned this camera where you could like, uh, it doesn't do a green screen anymore. Cause obviously like, I think everyone knew that was just going to come out sooner or later. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Now you could just uh, you could like make a movie with Brad Pitt without actually meeting Brad Pitt. Yeah, that, that can that's scary too. Just because of all of the without getting into politics, all the fake news out there, the real fake news. Yeah, that they can make somebody say sound, sound like they're saying it. it's like, oh, did oh, you hear Brad wow. Slate said that he hates little kittens? And you know, and you, there's a there's a video of me going, I hate little kittens. Oh, but yeah. it's not me wow. saying that. It, it's scary too. Like it's like, holy lord! Oh, it's it comes in handy scary. though. Like if you had a girlfriend and you just you could just set it up so that you know you're saying <laughs> all the things she wants to hear, and <laughs> and then you can just sit there and watch it. So they're good. <laughs> yeah, and just send it to her on her birthday or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love everything about you. No, your butt is the perfect size. <laughs> I got you on tape saying that. I never said it, honey. <laughs> No. When you break up, you show her the real tape. <laughs> now, what? Speaking of like getting filthy, uh, what do you think about uh, Tom Cruise going off on the the? Did you hear about this? Well, well I posted. I was just about to say that. Yeah. What do you think, Alan? Oh no, no. I'm sorry. No, you're the guest. No, no, don't. You, no, no, no. Well, oh. I was shocked. I was shocked at at uh, at how at the level of anger that he exhibited. I mean, it was a, a complaint, and he went on and on. He was a little bit redundant. Don't you don't you ever stand close to him like that again? I swear to you, you'll never. I it was like it was like you know a bit of a parody. Yeah, I I mean I when I first heard it, but then when you realize what he was saying in terms of the importance of yeah. they're using that as a test and as an actor, yeah. you know a lot of stuff's been canceled. So yeah. if they screw up over there, you've got a, a two hundred million dollar budget at oh. stake and thousands of people that would be out of work. So I think from the most reactions I've seen, most people are going, you know, I kind of agree with him, but it depends on it depends on what you think of, of if COVID-19 is real and That's you should right. wear a mask. And if you don't believe in any of that, then you're going to think, yeah, another one of them, you know, guys going off. Sure. Um, but in this case, I was surprised that Tom Cruise did it that way. Yeah. But yeah, I can't I, disagree with him getting upset. Yeah, yeah. No, it's important because you're right. It, he was talking about how dependent. Uh, all those people, and we know how it works. I mean, you've got crew, you've got their, they've got families, the cameramen, you know, who, you know how sometimes they haven't even paid, like those independent, their Panavision camera, which I don't know, it's like $2 million. And yeah. They, and, 
home is mortgaged on the, you know, to the camera. Well, you you know this better than I do. All kinds of stuff. Well, and that's why I'm really against like bootlegging. You know, like if somebody goes, oh yeah, I got a copy of that movie. I, you're hurting everybody in the industry, and you're going to raise the ticket prices because you know the companies are going to get their money back one way or another. But when you, if you met, if, you, if the actors in that movie who is, rely on residuals to pay the rent sometimes, and you're just giving it away, so don't do it. And it's kind of like how. It's kind of like how Warner Brothers said that they're going to stream all their movies for 2021 on uh, HBO or whatever. A lot of the actors in those movies, mm -hmm. they're like boycotting promoting that film. Uh, well, they, they're not going to get the over. Yeah, because there's a whole in a contract for an actor, um, bigger names, especially. There's a whole litany of things you get money for mm -hmm. uh, if it goes, you know, here, there, the amount. Um, a lot of, unfortunately for an actor, even actors, you know, it's getting to the point where you're either scale, uh, plus 10, which, you know, for your agent or your top of the show at 20 million, you know, right. you're at the top of the film, the middle class actor has disappeared much like the middle class in America is slowly eaten away that you're either rich or you're struggling. Exactly. You know? So that's why, again, it gets back to you got to be like a Hoover. You got to do. I, I've made my living in show business uh, for over 30 years, 35 wow. years now, wow. uh, which is kind of a good feat. But I've done it by writing, acting, stand up, whatever, you know. But yeah. it's the money I make is in the business. And I've always been proud of that. And I'd like to have made more, but uh, it ain't over yet. It it, well, I mean, I'm writing a script for you, and it's going to go huge. So, oh. you know, yeah, you know, just get a budget. It's a, it, yeah, and then yeah. they'll go. They'll go. Yeah, uh, give me a Brad Slate type. Don't make it too big, or the you know. And then it's like, no. I'll just say, I, no. See, because I'm the type of person where, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm 33 now, so I don't know. Maybe my sitcom days are past me. I don't know. But if no. I ever get offered a sitcom. I would have control on who I'd want to work with. And if I say I want Brad Slate, I would be I like, mean. yeah, I'd be like, because you hear those people, I, I think maybe it's just because I've toured with Norm MacDonald for nine years. That's how I am. I love Norm. Yeah. Love you, you hear people were like, oh, well, they're difficult to work with. It's like, so I still want them. You know what I mean? Like, they'll make the show They're better. difficult to work with because they bring something to it that, you know, they're going to fight for. Uh, one of the first writing jobs I had was, do you know Bill Kirkenbauer? No. Uh, he's, a, he's a comedian. He, he was, uh, you know, been on The Tonight Show with Johnny, actually, about 12, 15 times. Uh, he was on a sitcom called Just the Ten of Us. And okay. it was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Mm -hmm. And it was Coach, and, his, and they had a bunch of girls, kids, and that. And all these girls were from the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films. But it was a sitcom. So he, part of his deal was he got to write uh, an episode and we were working on other stuff. So he brought me in on it. And that is one of the ways, sometimes the main way you get in the door. You still exactly. got to deliver. Right. I mean, because my, here's my feeling. I'm not going to throw a rope to somebody that, unless they can also make me look good, you know, it, 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 I know Adam Sandler put some of his friends in there, but they're all comedian. They're all act, you know, they're good. 
So you're not going to just say, okay, I'm going to do this favor for you, like your citizen Kane and, you know, Randolph Hearst with his wife. (laughs) Um, You're going to want, but that's usually the case. I want to work with them because I like what they do. I think they can make this happen. Yeah, exactly. That's how it is. Now, one of the last questions I had for you was, uh, this might actually sound like a stupid question, but uh, when you did Unsolved Mysteries, did you meet the real George Anderson? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I love, you know, I that was one of my favorite roles only because I got to improvise everything. I read the book, We Don't Die, George Anderson's book. So they would say, you're in a, you're in a thing here. And they'd give me like, you got to talk about the Lacasse family or whatever they were. And normally on those unsold mysteries, they paid well, but you didn't do much. You were just, you walked. I mean, you were just a body. But I got to improvise all my dialogue. I didn't meet him, but I watched video of him and I read his book. So I would capture the, uh, um, you know, who he was. Uh, and yeah, that was great. And that was a sad gig and it was, you know, yeah. Do you, do you believe- like, the joke is I'm no, I'm not just an actor. I'm a reading actor. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you yourself believe in that, that psychic stuff or was that uh, just, I, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> you never know. I mean, I'm there playing it and I'm going, oh, he's talking to me. And and he had the, the George Anderson had this thing where he would scribble on a yellow pad as he was mm-hmm. talking to the beyond. And and it always looked real weird to me, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, so I made sure to hold the pad up high enough so that, you know. uh, <laughs> I've had I had some really weird auditions. I don't know if you read the story I posted on Facebook. Um one of my first times, we were over at the com- my comedy group, Moving Violations, we were at the comedy store. And we had a really great set. We get off stage, we go back to the bar area, there's three of us. Guy comes up to the three of us and says, I know this sounds real Hollywood, but I just want to talk to you. And he points to me. And he hands me his card, and it's, uh, it's a card that's got the Paramount logo on it. Now, I'm fairly new to the business at that point. And I look at the card, and I recognized the name. He was there was a TV show with Tom Hanks and Peter Sclari called Booze and Buddies. Okay. And he had created that and executive produced it. And he said, I'm doing a new sitcom and I think you'd be perfect for the lead role. And I'm saying Whoa. this is how it happens. You know, it's like, oh, I'm at the ice cream shop and I'm being discovered. <laughs> uh, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm the other two guys are like, hmm. so I go home and of course you don't sleep. And so I had the audition. He said, call my casting person the next day. So I go into the audition and I read for the role. And she goes, I don't know if I think you're that right for this, but you might be right for this other part. Would you like to come back tomorrow or you could go? I said, just, I'm, I'm a good read. I'm a quick read. Uh, right. Give me a few minutes and I'll look it over. So I go out in the lounge and I'm sitting there looking at the script and I'm like, you know, my heart's racing. So her assistant goes, just let me know when you're ready. So I tell her assistant, yeah, I don't think I can do this. So I go back in there and I'm reading the script with the casting person. Um, so it's not even for producers yet, but I didn't know that that's just the first step. And it and gets to part and she looks at me and she said, that was, that was incredible. You are incredible. And I said, I put the script down. I said, well, thank you. I thought it was going pretty well too. And she goes, 
Brad, that's the next line in the script for the character. <laughs> that's a lesson I never want to learn again. And from that point on, I, I just, uh, you know, but she was so convincing. And of course, it was over then. <laughs> But well, those, uh, you you run into things, you know, you're in, well, Alan's been in the business line. The, there's things that happen that yeah. as painful as they are, you do learn stuff from them and you can look back. I, I still have a hard time laughing at that myself, but it was. Uh, <laughs> well, you and I have been, uh, we've been becoming pretty good Facebook friends lately. I don't know if you saw my post, but it kind of reminded me of that, how like, um, I said something like, hey, when you get really good at stand-up comedy, someone will eventually say, hey, you want to be a really horrible actor? <laughs> oh. I didn't see that. That's great. <laughs> well, that's the, well, see, that's the thing is that stand-ups, you know, during that boom period at yeah. the comedy store where if you killed over there, you could get on The Tonight Show with Johnny. If you got The Tonight Show with Johnny, you would probably get, a, get all kinds of offers. Um, and they, what they found is there are some who are, I mean, if it's based on your character that you do on stage, you can build a show around that. But there are other com there, it, it, comedians I know, and I almost once tried to teach a class called Acting for Comedians, because they're great. Most comedians are really good with their own rhythm and their own lines and their exactly. own act because they've honed it. You give them somebody else's words and tell them, okay, you got to be a, a tough guy. Um, then maybe they can't pull it off. They don't know how to hit their marks. They're, they're awkward in front of a camera. Uh, they freeze up. Mm -hmm. um, what, there's, but then the opposite. The friend of mine that I used to work with at Comedy Store, you know, he was in a, a Tom Wilson, who was Biff. On oh, I love Tom Wilson. Wilson. Oh. I ran into him down at the beach one day, and I say, hey, Tom, what are you up to? And he goes, well, I'm, uh, I'm doing this Spielberg movie. And I go, oh, do you have a good part in it? And his friend, who, another friend of ours, said, yeah, he's got a pretty decent part. And yeah, this before it even came out, but uh, he's just the greatest guy. He, yeah. he, he just sent me a picture that I posted of me on stage at the comedy store. Um, but so there is an example of somebody who not only was a good stand-up, he, he became a good actor. Yeah, it's not always the case, but it doesn't hurt actors to take like an improv class where you have to share the scene, share dialogue, because a lot of comedians, I had an audition for a commercial and that was another comedian. I, 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 I don't I, I won't mention his name, but we're in there and they pair us up to go, hey, yeah, I know you, Brad, that's, that's uh, pay, you know, you need a group of two. So we go in there and this guy completely uh, messed it up for both of us. <laughs> You know, he was all over, he was screaming, he was like trying to dominate the scene. And sure. you know. so yeah. you have to learn to share. Uh, and I've worked with so many comedy teams and comedy groups that that was never a problem for me. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with some uh, uh, comics who weren't my cup of tea. And then, like, I just say, okay, I, I won't work with them again because I think, like, not only is their energy bad, but I think that they bring my humor bad too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it, we're not all symbiotic. No, yeah. it's you're going to get in a show and you're, you know, it's or they're going to do line. You'll hear them do a line that, of somebody that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's always awkward. Exactly. Well, we got... 
I thought about it in second grade. That was my <laughs> Well, Alan, do you have any last second questions for Brad before the Zoom times out? This has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, as far as Netflix goes and all these shows, you know, Breaking Bad and uh, uh, Ozarks and so forth, do you feel, you know, like, you know, do you feel that the act, and this is my take on it, that the act, you know, the, the, the style of acting, which I guess is sort of Meisner, Sandy Meisner, uh, like The Office, The Office. Yeah. The acting style of The Office, which uh, it, it, it's really tinged with that very, like you were talking about earlier, but it's even a notch down. I call it ultra-naturalism. Non-acting. Yeah, I, I was on an episode of Parks and Recreation, and I, when I auditioned for that, I knew they were that, what you're talking about, the very, not cinema verite, but comedy verite, I would call it. And so when I went into that audition, because normally you never know, sometimes they want you to play it bigger. I've gone yes. into commercial arc, <laughs> auditions and they go, okay, the director wants it very real. They want it very real. Oh my God. So you just, you just say the lines and then you watch the commercial and it's like Bozo the Clown got the part. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, you, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. But 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 you do have to keep up very carefully to what the hell they're saying. And you don't yeah. know. I know what you mean. Yeah, no. And in like Queen's Gambit, all of them, sometimes it, it depends. If it's a period piece, there's a little bit more acting going on. Yeah. But you're right. The Office and a lot of these other shows, it's which is better than I think the old days, like in the 40s in Hollywood, where everything was over the top, Johnny, and I'm not going to be I'd rather have it real. And the more real you can be, yeah. they do want, because you're already a character yes. to them yes. because they don't know you. Yes. So they, they don't know your voice. It's like you can't impress your friends. If you two guys got together and acted for each other, you'd go, I know Alan's tricks. I know Keith's <laughs> tricks. Oh, yeah. But if you didn't know them and they do something, it's more impressive. Yeah. So you go into an audition, you're new to them. You're a new creature. They've never seen you before. So you've got to kind of bring yourself to it and be yourself. Yeah. Whatever that is. <laughs> well, Brad, is there a place where the folks at home can follow you? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? I have a YouTube channel. Um, you can go to that. Um, S-L-A-I-G-H-T, uh, which is always fun in auditions. Uh, you want to say, I'm slating my name. <laughs> and, and the person came, hey, you're Brad Slate. Oh, I've never heard that before. That's, I never thought of that. I'm slating my name, and my name is Slate Brad Slate. <laughs> so I should have just spelled it S-L-A-T-E. It'd be a lot easier, but it's S-L-A-I-G-H-T. And I got all my videos there if you want to see some skits. Beautiful. I do have one quick question real fast. Uh, how do you deal with... Uh, when people see you on the street, like old ladies, and just they, they say, I love you on the Young and the Redless, can I have a picture? How, like, how does Brad Slate? Well, it's been a long time since I've been on there, but I'll tell you a story. Speaking of an old ladies, I'll make it short. I get done filming on Young and the Restless, and I love that role because I was a bad guy. I love yeah. playing bad guys. Most good guys like playing bad. I don't like playing. I played Dan Quayle once in a video series. I don't like playing nerds. I want to play evil bad guys. Right. So I had a goatee and my hair was greasy. And on the show, I was a, a, I was a bad guy. So afterwards, there's a supermarket near CBS and I stopped in to get some stuff and I'm getting some produce. And I see this old woman staring at me. But she wasn't like 
you know, because I'd gotten that before. I wonder if that's the guy. It was more like this. <laughs> she was muttering. All of a sudden, she said, you bastard, you put those drugs in Danny Romilani's dressing room, and now he's going to go to jail, and the wedding's off. And then, and then, and she just starts screaming these storylines at me, and, and I, people are looking. I said, yeah, I'm just a character. My name's Brad. I'm not, and she, she goes, oh, yeah, 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 you say that. And she picked up a head of lettuce, and she threw it at me. <laughs> and I thought, man. That's a compliment. I got to the point where, you know, somebody's so pissed at a character I'm playing that they took it out on me. I must be doing a good job. So, and I had to change my phone number. I mean, unlisted because I get people at three in the morning. Yeah, how come you did? You know, I'm not that because they look at the credits at the end. They see the names. They look up the name in the phone book. They figure you live in L.A. Oh, whoa. Someone actually. Great, but people get real. When I first got that part, that was my mother's favorite show. And I said, Mom, I'm going to be on Young and the Restless. It's supposed to be for one day. And it ended up being like a year and a half. Wow. And she she said, oh, I can't wait. So I come in the first scene and I'm grubby and I'm, I'm this, and, you know, and the problem with that is here's a world that she watched every day. It was like this magical place that, you know, she, and all of a sudden I walked into it and completely ruined that, you know, reality or that yeah. non-reality for it. It's like, what's Brad doing in there? So she got used to it later and she really liked it. But at first it was. It's interesting. That's funny. It was well, a great day. It, this might cheer you up, but this might make you lose some respect for me. The good news is uh, that lady's probably dead. Oh. <laughs> no, she later became my agent. No. Oh. <laughs> well, now Brad. Me throw spinach. All right. <laughs> well, Brad, I love you and thanks for doing it, man. It was fun. Yeah. This oh, it was fun. And Alan and uh, Keith, both you guys, continue on. Comedy will be back. Thank it's you. going to come back and, and people are going to need it. And maybe we maybe this shook off some of that PC. It was getting so you can't. Yes. Can't say anything anymore. Lose. But maybe now you can't because yeah. we got to lose. We went through a pandemic. I'm going to say oh. what the hell I want. Well, when it comes <laughs> back, let's do a show together, man. Like it. Fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye, Brad. Great meeting. You. Bye, Brad. Take care. Thanks, Alan and Keith. All right. That was Brad Slate, guys. Give him a follow on his YouTube channel and uh, on Twitter. I'm going to get his a Twitter account right now. He has a site. He has a site. And yeah, follow Brad Slate at Brad Slate. Alan, uh, I know without without uh, bringing up the – but you, you've had a couple rough months. I hope this cheered you up a little. How, did, how was it? You know, I, I have, and I really thank you because uh, this did cheer me up. Okay. I really enjoyed. It. I always enjoy. You know, he really. I. You know, he. Uh, such a nice guy. I mean, he's just uh, very sincere. I could say. You know, we can sense that. I mean, we've had great people on. We love. We love them all. Like you know, like you say, and um, uh, just another another nice person. And, you know, I'm going to be quite frank with you. Uh, it gives me hope because sometimes you know there are people in Hollywood, as you know, that are not nice people. Yeah. They come off, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're great. Oh, I love their acting and all that. And you know, in reality, you wouldn't want to be in the room with them for 10 seconds. Unless, exactly. they, were book unless they were booking you. Because I know that's how you think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Book you don't even care if they came out of a, a, a fucking prison. That's not true, but I get your point. Like, uh, 
I, you know, I think for a guy who doesn't like cursing and gets fined, you said nine fuck bombs today. I don't know. Yeah, I took count. You, no? that's, yeah, that's, that's nine. That's $900 Sam's going to charge you. Oh, Sam. Leave Sam alone. He's my friend. <laughs> he's my friend, too. He's the director. But what I'm telling you, he's going to be like, Alan, what's going on, man? You know what? He better watch his step. <laughs> we may not need you, Sam, you motherfucker. That's Tim. That's Tim. Uh, Sam, if you're listening to this, you know we love you. Um, all right. Well, no. The point. The point is, is that I'm glad that. Yeah. Uh, this. 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 I uh, feel great. I appreciate yeah. it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad because uh, we were usually going to be done for the year, and then you said, Keith, I I need to do one more, and I'm yeah. glad that we did it because uh, you know it's nice seeing your sunshine glow. Oh. Oh, that's so sweet of you. And, and ditto. Ditto. Well, Alan, I love you very much, man. And I'll talk drive to you care. in a couple of minutes yeah. on the telephone. Oh, I don't have to tell you to drive carefully. You're at home. <laughs> All right, buddy. Guys, right. subscribe, rate, review to the show on Apple Podcasts. We're at 93 reviews. We could use 100. Help the show out. Follow Brad Slate. Follow us. You could also book me on Cameo at www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. I'll give you a shout out. Say whatever you want. It's a perfect holiday gift. And as for the holidays, Alan and I would like to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and uh, stay safe and uh, bring joy to your loved ones. Alan, anything else? Peace out, babe. All right. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor. And Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it and we'll rift with you again soon.